What's up, Boston? You're listening to WBCA 102.9 FM. That's Boston's community radio station. I am your host, Zamboni Jones, and this is another edition of WBCA Producer Spotlight, the show where you get to know our community producers. WBCA is a peg access community station serving Boston and Massachusetts, and all of our producers and radio hosts are Boston residents coming from your community. So to spotlight them and make sure you get to know them, WBCA produces this show right here, WBCA Producer Spotlight. Joining us today, the DJ of Project One, which airs Fridays at 8 p.m. right here on WBCA, the one and only Jessica Hernandez. Thank you for joining us today, Jess. Wow, thanks so much, Zamboni Jones, (laughs) for having me. (laughs) Our pleasure. How does it feel to be on the other side of the glass this time? Oh my god, it's a little bit daunting. Like, I'm so scared. I'm shaking. Why though? You have have to control less things. You don't have to worry about uh, controlling the mixer or... Yeah, that's or playing true. music. I do have the easy job. I think you have the difficult one. All right, so to begin the show off, um, can you just introduce yourself, give, give us a little bit of your background, um, stuff like where did you grow up, um, which neighborhood of Boston do you live in, and what you like to do for fun? Cool, yeah. So I'm Jessica. I use she, her pronouns. I'm 26, and I grew up in Dorchester, born and raised. And what are your, some of your favorite hobbies? Some of my favorite hobbies. I think, yeah, they all pretty much relate to music, sound, or art. Um, so, yeah, I'm a DJ here at WBCA, so playing a lot of techno. And I feel like most of my hobbies relate to that kind of music, electronic music more broadly. So I'm always digging for music. I'm always trying to br- produce things as well as my on my computer or using like a drum machine and a synthesizer, always trying to find like new approaches to creating music and sound, volunteering with a lot of places that also do music, such as Non-Event, which is a nonprofit that puts on experimental um, shows and concerts, working at an art gallery, because um, even though that's my job, like my hobby is definitely like looking at visual art, uh, learning about local artists, learning about their process and approaches to making and yeah, I also like cooking a lot. So I feel like those are the main things. Really just like I like how you things. rounded it out with cooking there. And of course and cooking. Yeah. All of this course. music stuff. And what made you get into electronic music? Is there like a specific event or concert that you went to that piqued your interest for electronic music? Yeah. I started getting into electronic music in undergrad. And I think one of my first like introductions to it was through Boiler Room, which is a party series that um, has a a camera right in front of the DJ so you can see them mixing. Um, And again, it's a party series, so it usually takes place in a club or really interesting venues. Um, Sometimes they highlight local scenes in that um, area or country or wherever they're hosting the parties. So I began to um, really watch those just to find out or just to find out about new music um, and just be exposed to like different genres because I feel like that is my first and foremost, that's my passion. Just like digging for new music, trying to be challenged by new sounds, things I've never heard before. Um, So I was primarily watching Boiler Room for that reason because you get like almost an hour of just new music. Um, And then after that, I was like, oh, this is like pretty exciting. So I started getting into house music and getting into the history of it. 
uh, learning about Chicago and Detroit and really pivotal figures in pioneering electronic music like that. And then also during this time, I had a radio show in undergrad, first with a friend just talking about new releases, mostly like hip hop and rap. But afterwards, I wanted to continue that show on my own. And so I thought, like, of course, I want to play music. So as I was learning about electronic music, I was incorporating that into my radio show. And yeah, just like continuing to take in different DJ sets. So going beyond Boiler Room and just listening to things on SoundCloud, I started to hear like more harder industrial sounds um, and just like generally darker music. Um, and that happened to be techno. So I was like, oh my God, like, what is this? This is so incredible. It's kind of mind blowing for me. And I think in general, I'm interested in darker sounds like that. Things that are really somber and like melancholic and kind of eerie, kind of scary, kind of haunting. And for me, that genre of techno did just that. So yeah, and after like you just find new artists, you find labels that they've released on, you find artists that they've played alongside. So it's kind of just like a snowball effect. And here I am today. <laughs> Yeah, I like the aspect of your show where I can kind of just drift off to it. Mm. It's because uh, it's not you don't like play a lot of trance, but it's mm -hmm. still the type of music that you play in your show is like trance, like mm -hmm. like ambient, atmospheric, and it's uh, it is soothing, like how you just mentioned. Before we get into talking about your show, mm -hmm. you were it was really cool how you mentioned the history of electronic music because I didn't I didn't know that that was very interesting mm -hmm. and. To my understanding, you went to school for history, and there's another one of your big, uh, I don't want to say hobby, because it's mm -hmm. more than they actually went to school for it. Yeah. But what made you get into history? Where did you go to school? What made you want to go to school for history? And uh, why do you have such a love for history? Yeah, so also going back to undergrad, I graduated with a degree in peace and conflict studies, which was a really interdisciplinary department um, things that were cross-listed with the English department, the religion department, everything kind of like went into um, that sphere of study. So I was taking a bunch of different classes, but also alongside that, I would always take history classes. Um, one of my favorite and really impactful professors was, um, was Professor Allison Dorsey, and just learning about um, just like the history of the U.S. in particular, whether that was doing that through film or learning about capitalism and slavery, learning about um, the civil rights movement, just like really important periods in black history and African-American history in the U.S. in particular. Um, so I've always had that interest in the past and really understanding how, at, le at least right now, like in our contemporary more in, in our contemporary moment, like how did we get here? I feel like history is the place to try to answer those questions and try to better understand the past and try to better understand how people grappled with their own specific struggles during whatever moment that might be, whether that's the 20th century, the 19th century, or the 18th. Um, and so after undergrad, I ended up in a master's program at the University of Virginia specifically for history. Um, so just continuing that interest in the past and to really understand like how did we get under these like current conditions of honestly just violence and brutality, like to just call it plain. Um, so yeah, being in that graduate program, learning about history, 
Um, I ended up studying 20th century Caribbean history, um, especially Caribbean artists. Would you say that that's your favorite um, time frame of history, your favorite period to study history and to share? I think so. Yeah, I'm really interested in the 20th century, especially the middle to late 20th century. I think every time I think about or every time I learn something new about that period, the year 1968, like, always comes up. Like, right now that's my your, mind... So that's your favorite year in history? I think so. Yeah, like, my mind will probably, like, go to a blank when I try to, like, list all the events that happened. But, like, it seems that there were so many uprisings global, globally in 1968, whether that's within, like, academic disciplines and research or civil rights in the United States or people really critiquing governments and ways of thinking. I feel like that was just such an incredible like year for, yeah, cha cha challenging like the status quo and everything. And so. why do you think all those events happened in that year? Specifically, like what is there one major conflict or, um, or issue that, that led all these uh, global conflicts to happen in that year? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think the thing that I've learned from studying and researching history is that it almost feels like all the conditions have to be perfect. Like sometimes there's just like a spark and a trigger for, um, for a community or a group or a nation to really like rise up mm -hmm. <laughs> and like speak out. So I think at least very, very recently, like 2020, the pandemic, um, anti-blackness, policing, like that was that was a moment. I think, yeah, the conditions have to be right for it. Do you think that um, you were just you just mentioned 2020 and all those uh, conflicts? Do you think we missed our chance? We missed the spark mm. early in the 21st century here? Um, I hope not. <laughs> I like to believe I'm a really like hopeful and optimistic person. At the same time, I'm very pessimistic, but I I don't think we missed the spark. You there think was... it's just starting now that the uh, spark, the fire, perhaps, is just starting to light under people's keisters? Yeah. yeah, I hope so. And especially what's going on right now with Palestine. Like, it's not an isolated inc incident. And, yeah, I feel like the people who are vocal now and organizing... Um, with Palestine and are in solidarity with Palestine are connecting this struggle to struggles that have happened before. So for example, like the examples I just mentioned, like linking that struggle to anti-blackness, to policing, and linking that to histories of like settler colonialism. So at the same time I said like the conditions have to be right, it's also like a product of like the historical moments that have come before that. So I think that the Israel-Palestine conflict is a good lesson in empathy because if you disagree with a behavior, you can't turn around and commit that behavior yourself. And I feel like that's what people don't, don't recognize mm. is that people are okay when some people commit a certain behavior but not okay when others do it. Yeah. So like in this situation, the history of the Holocaust and, and the you know, the genocide of however millions of Jews and uh, their displacement. And then to present day in this conflict where it's kind of like 
the behaviors are are, are similar.、Mm. So you can't you can't let one person get away with the behavior and then go or commit a behavior that you disagree with and then turn around and and commit that same behavior and think it's okay just because it's you and not and not someone else committing that behavior against yourself.、Mm-hmm. You know what I'm trying to say? No, yeah, I totally get it, <laughs> especially when that genocide is being. You know, carried out against Palestinians, and before you mentioned just like the like the idea of hypocrisy, and I feel like that's definitely like present in this conflict, in this、um, war, in this genocide, in this occupation. Especially like if we think about the role of the U.S. in it too. Like the U.S. itself is founded on settler colonialism, the same kind of thing that Israel, the Israeli state, is enacting against Palestinians. So. Yeah, you're right. Hypocrisy is like all throughout、um, this issue. Yeah, it really helps to look at the whole history of the situation, the whole spectrum of the situation. I guess I got to disclaim us now after having this brief discussion. Yeah, that's true. That the、uh, opinions expressed on that show are not the opinions of WBCA, the station itself, or its employees.、Um, I like to I like to keep an open mind. I don't really have a side, but I do like to look at these situations and see what like what I can learn from them, what humanity can learn from them. And kind of pick out the hypocrisy, as you just said.、Mm-hmm. So、uh, I want to remind everyone that you are listening to WBCA Producer Spotlight right here on WBCA 102.9 FM. That's Boston's community radio station. I am your host, Samboni Jones. Also, a reminder that Boston residents and nonprofit organizations can become members at BNN and WBCA and learn how to produce their own radio and TV shows. Just go to the bnmmedia.org website to learn more. And if you go to the wbcaradio.org website, you could submit your music to be aired on the station, or you could even submit public service announcements from your nonprofit organization for events or, or volunteers, etc. You can also enroll in our audio editing and mixing workshop, which we have just begun, and we already have several、uh, attendees to that workshop that are enjoying it, and it's a fun time. Wow. BNN so, has so much to offer. We we're growing, <laughs> and we're starting to have more. I'm proud of WBCA because we're starting to expand, and BNN too. So we're getting more community producers in, so more content, and、uh, a lot of people are learning and taking a, a lot away from BNN and WBCA.、Mm-hmm. Whether they this whether this be their hobby, that that、uh, you know, and they not trying to super seriously pursue it, or whether they are actually trying to break through into some kind of career. In audio or radio or TV or、uh, journalism, this is a great,、uh, great jumping-off point for individuals in the community to do that.、Mm-hmm. So you can become a member at WBCA and BNN and find out all we have to offer here. All right, moving on. Jessica Hernandez is joining us on WBCA Producer Spotlight. She is the DJ of Project One, and that's Fridays at 8 p.m. on WBCA 102.9 FM. Jess, for someone that's never heard your show, how would you describe your show to them? Cool. Yeah. So it's one hour of live mixing, and I mix techno. And the kinds of techno that I play have really strong、um, drum elements. They're very percussive, very groovy.、Um, I also play tracks that have like. Drifting sequences and drifting synthesizers, where it feels like things are almost out of time or skip around、um, or wander, and I also play tracks that feel very ominous and haunting. 
almost like some of the adjectives that I use at the beginning of the show talking about electronic music. Yeah, yeah the, things that feel like melancholic, scary. Dark, like you said. Yeah, nightmarish. <laughs> so I feel like, yeah, those are the main elements, like things that are really groovy, things that wander, um, and things that are kind of scary. <laughs> I like the compositional aspect of the, the tracks and mm-hmm. how they... Like they progress in sometimes such a slow manner that it carries you away where you could just you could relax to it and it's almost kind of like a dream state in mm. a way yeah that's so cool yeah because i feel like a lot of the tracks that i play often have like so many layers to them and have this kind of like atmosphere that you're mentioning there are like a lot of pl- a lot of pads and a lot of production techniques that kind of wash over you so yeah happy to hear that and I've noticed there's not a lot of vocals in the songs that yeah. you play. That's also is true. Is that on purpose? I think or is so. Just, or just that type of music doesn't have that much vocals in it. Yeah, I think that's definitely right. Like a lot of electronic music doesn't really have, um, or a lot of electronic music, yeah, doesn't have a lot of lyrics. Or if they do, um, if they do have a vocal element, it'll be like a word or a phrase that's repeated yeah, often. Because it's used as more of like an instrument or a synth than like the voice is used itself as a synth. Exactly. Yeah. And I feel like that's also a reason why I like electronic music because I feel like sometimes with songs that are composed of like verses and bridges and all of that, like. The lyrics can be powerful, but I feel like sometimes they can also be limiting. And Uh, yeah, if I want lyrics, I want them to be like super poetic and you have to work to interpret them. Like I don't like things that are straightforward um, because I think, yeah, there are limitations to language and text in general. So I like electronic music because it doesn't have that. And so just the same, you have to work to really interpret like how is the song making you feel? Um, yeah, it's open what, to interpretation. Exactly. More so, it's not um, limiting the song. It's like a, it's also um, based on the listener. Like, mm. how is the listener feeling and interpreting it in, in the moment? And I agree too. When when I listen to lyrical songs, I like it, the lyrics to have a deeper meaning, even mm. like double meanings. Mm-hmm. So that's Jess's Jess's show, Project One. Tune in at eight p.m. WBCA one hundred two point nine FM Boston. That's Fridays at eight p.m. Now, Jess, you actually got started at WBCA by becoming an intern. It feels like a very long time ago, but it wasn't right. that long at all. Mm-hmm. How did you first find out about BNN and WBCA, and how was your experience interning here? Yeah, so like I said at the very start of the show, I've been born and raised in Dorchester. Um, and then I moved away for undergrad and was in that graduate program immediately after that. So I've kind of like almost been away from the city for six years. And so when I was coming back after that grad program, I was trying to reflect and understand what am I most interested in? What kinds of spaces do I want to be in? um, What kind of career and professional life do I want to pursue? And for me, like music is first and foremost in that, but also just generally, I want to be in an artistic and creative space. And I want to be around like-minded people as well. So I was just doing some research around the city, like where can I become involved? And I kind of remembered BNN like in the back of my head, like, oh, this like community media station. Um, And then I realized that you guys had a radio, WBCA. So I was just clicking around on the website and 
I saw that you offered internships, so I thought, of course, why not? Um, and also just remembering, like, in undergrad, like, I was watching all these boiler room sets, but also discovering really interesting radio stations, often ones that are outside of the U.S., and just, like, yeah, really being moved by their content, the ways they're experimenting with the radio format, um, the kinds of artists and musicians that they would have on the show. And so that was an avenue to dig for music, but also just, like, be exposed to radio. Um, so when learning about BNN and WBCA, I thought, like, oh, I have to do this. Like, why not? Like, it would be so fun to learn more about the radio format in a community setting. So did that, got the internship, thank you, um, and then did that for several months. And yeah, I just really enjoyed learning about so many different facets of radio. So um, first, just like the recording process, like how to set up someone's mic levels, how to operate the mixing board, how to record the show, um, how to screen the show according to FCC guidelines, but also <laughs> like the guidelines and principles of BNN. Yeah. Um, and it, while doing that, actually like learning about the radio hosts, learning about what they're interested in and their passions. Um, yeah, you met a lot of people while you were here. Yeah. All the producers. You also... We did music shows that's, while you were here as well. That's true. So you got to mix, record and mix um, bands. Was it a band or hip-hop? Um, it was mostly hip-hop, but there were also, like, I think my very first one was an artist who used an acoustic guitar. So I was, like, mm -hmm. thrown into the fire of learning how to yeah. mix vocals and, like, live instruments. Yeah, if I recall, we used two different microphones and yeah. the... Uh, the project that I gave you and the other intern at the time was to get the best tone or mm -hmm. what you thought was the best tone yeah. out of the uh, different microphones that we put on the guitar. Mm -hmm. And we did the same with the voice, too, so you could mix and match yeah. and just um, getting the voice to, uh, you know, jive with the guitar. Do you remember any shows or experiences in particular that stuck out to you besides the uh, the music um, project we just talked about? Hmm. Yeah, I think... One of my favorite experiences was probably setting people up in the studio because, like you said, I got to meet a bunch of radio show hosts who are community members because um, all of the shows on WBCI are from Boston res residents and people who are from here. So just like being able to meet community members and for them to become familiar faces and ask them how they're doing Aww. was... <laughs> yeah, I think that was, like, really incredible because I think that's one of the perks of being um, in a small space but in one that's dedicated to community um, because, yeah, we don't go through this life alone. So being able to meet new people was pretty amazing and also listen to their shows, too. Um, yeah, so and, there's all, and all the stuff that's... You know all their interest or whatever is concerning them yeah so yeah i think one show in person that has been pretty impactful was haywood haywood for now so haywood just Fennell, like yes. yeah just hearing the other show. page radio which <laughs> is thursdays at 8 p.m oh yeah um yeah so his show is really invested like in the community and talking about different happenings and also how to support um black veterans in boston so I think, yeah, it's important to know what's happening in our neighborhood. So that's something that was really impactful for me. Yeah, Haywood's an important contributor to the community. He does a lot for black veterans in the black community in Boston in general. I also like how you can see how the work that you do directly 
contributes to the community or directly helps the community. Like mm. you're on the ground level. Yeah. We talk to these people on a daily basis. We get to know them. When, like when you were saying that one of your favorite parts is first setting them up in the studio, mm-hmm. that's when they come in and they start to tell you about their day or what's bothering them or what issues um, in the city are bothering them mm-hmm. before they start to do their show and then they like let loose yeah. on their show. Mm-hmm. But again, I like this. I like um, the feeling of again being on the ground level and knowing that you are making a, a difference for people who don't have this option in mainstream media. Mm-hmm. And so we're we're acting as a platform for free speech and giving everyone an equitable opportunity to use our platform to say or express whatever opinion they desire or to entertain people in any way mm-hmm. that, that they desire, as you do on Project One mm-hmm. on uh, 8 p.m. on Fridays. Again, listeners, you are joining us on WBCA Producer Spotlight. I am your host, Zamboni Jones, and joining us today is Jess Hernandez, Right here on WBCA 102.9 FM, we're going to have to wrap this up soon. So I want to ask you, Jess, do you think that BNN and WBCA are an important resource to yourself and the community? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think something that you kind of alluded to before is the way that BNN and WBCA are kind of a stepping stone stepping stone for people who either want to pursue radio and media more broadly as a hobby or for those who want to do it in a professional sense um, and really make this their career. And there aren't many places that you can just walk into the door and actually get that experience and learn about the different like facets of radio, the techniques, the programming, um, the kinds of guidelines you have to adhere to, the way you mix audio and mix sound. Like that's not a really accessible um, uh, form of media, especially since a lot of other radio stations, maybe in the state, but also elsewhere, are commercial and are for-profit. And so they're not easy to break into. So I think, yeah, having a community radio station is so important. Um, Because again, it gives people that stepping stone, that initial experience that they can pursue um, for like the coming future at BNN or WBCA, or, you know, do something by themselves. But they actually have the knowledge um, and the understanding to do that and are probably like strengthening skills that they already have and strengthening interests that they've already exhibited too. Jess, do you have any advice for anyone looking to start their own show here at BNN and WBCA, be it radio or TV? I think I would say just start it. (laughs) I think, yeah, if you're curious and are interested, I think you should just inquire and like pursue this interest and hobby. Um, I think another thing I'll say is that no show is going to be 100% perfect, but they absolutely do get better. Great point, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I've been doing this for several months now. Um, Yeah, and I can remember being so nervous for my first show (laughs) and thinking like, oh my God, this was horrible. I need to re-record. Like, this is awful. Um, But like every show after that, um, I be, I'm, I'm becoming less critical of myself and also giving myself credit for like the ways I really have improved. Um, and every show is an opportunity to get better yeah. um, and learn more. So Yeah, your show doesn't have to be perfect, but the aim here is that you, know, you make it, eventually make it into what you really want it mm-hmm. to be. Yeah. And that's also how you learn, how you progress. Very quickly here before we close out this show, what's next for Jess and Project One? Oh my God, 
more techno. <laughs> yeah, pretty much more techno. Yeah, just trying to get better um, and getting better at crafting a story through the music. I feel like that's something I try to improve on every month. Yeah. So, so the track list and the arrangement and the sequencing is always so intentional. Like I wouldn't change the order um, of any shows. I feel like, yeah, they're arranged the way I want them to be. And, and you have them in like a theme, like you do episodes of of, mm -hmm. of certain themes or a certain uh, niche genre. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, some shows will be more percussive based, like this upcoming one will be. Some will be a little more nightmarish and heavy on the synthesizers and the, the really interesting sound design. Yeah, and for some, like, there's like a feeling that I want you to have at the end of the show. Insightful. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Jess, for coming on WBCA yeah. and uh, sharing your experiences with us and telling us about yourself and your show. It has been our pleasure. Yeah, same here. And thanks, WBCA. That about wraps it up here on this edition of WBCA Producer Spotlight on WBCA 102.9 FM Boston, Boston's community radio station. I've been your host, Zamboni Jones, and we were joined by Jessica Hernandez tonight, the DJ of Project One, which airs every Friday night at 8 p.m. right here on WBCA 102.9 FM. Again, I remind all listeners that if you are a Boston resident or nonprofit organization serving Boston, that you can become a member of BNN and WBCA and learn how to produce your own radio or TV shows by visiting bnnmedia.org. Don't forget, you can listen to our live stream and podcasts and submit your own music or public service announcements by visiting wbcaradio.org. Thanks for joining us again, Jess, and that will do it for another edition of WBCA Producer Spotlight.